Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the BitCast. This is now the 50th bit of the entire show, and to celebrate that as well as another 20th anniversary for a video game, I'm going to talk about The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time with... Me. His, his, his brother. Yeah, yeah, I brought Anthony back in for this one. So, That's a lot of bits. Yeah, it is. A lot of bits. There's some kind of Twitch joke I could make, probably, but I'm not clever enough for that. <laughs> so, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, one of the most widely regarded games in history, and it is now 20 years old. What do you think of that? Well, golly, that's uh, pretty astounding, because, as you know, it was my first video game, and the fact that I'm only 22 really puts things into perspective, like... That's a, that's a long time. Yeah, it was basically your entire lifetime ago. Oh yeah, it's amazing. I, I remember I was in kindergarten when that game was still new. I remember being on the playground on the big metal contraption. Not, not the jungle gym, but the thing that had all the slides and stuff. Yeah, that one. I remembered I'd always climb the ladder, and I was pretending it was like the fairy fountain outside the forest temple, and I had to climb fast or I'd get gutted to death. A <laughs> little morbid, but, you know, that's how five-year-olds are sometimes. Right, right. And I remember watching our dad beat the game for the first time, and it was really rainy outside, and I remember he joked about how the weather in the game was just as bad as in real life. It really set the scene and helped to build up the climax. Couldn't oh. have been better. Oh yeah, it was a really strong finish to the game, I think. A lot of people nowadays kind of like to think that the game isn't as good as everyone liked to say, but we're going to get to that a little bit. Let's kind of talk about some of our history with the game. Like We had it around in our early childhood, I didn't actually play much of the game myself until college, though, with the 3DS version. Mm -hmm. Well, shoot, I played the original, I played the Master Quest that came on that little uh, Wind Waker sampler disc. I played the 3DS version and its Master Quest. I tried to do the Uber Challenge with three hearts, but I couldn't get past the Grudo Valley entrance. Ooh. So, shoot, I've played this game in just about every way you can think of, except for the randomizer. Yeah. The Zooter, as it's called. Oh, and boy, does that look fun. And really popular, too. Oh, yeah. A lot of the Zelda randomizers seem to have a lot more thought put into them than some of the other ones. Well, I mean, you could also just chalk that up good to good game design on Nintendo's part. That's true. I like to think that, for the most part, the Zelda games are designed rather well. And usually, a lot of people's problems with certain entries in the series is just by Zelda standards. Like, a lot of people will say that even the worst Zelda game is still pretty good. Oh yeah, Skyward Sword is beautiful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna beat around the bush about that. Oh, we're we're gonna show our true colors with this one. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's already fair. Everyone already knows what I had to say about Breath of the Wild. Yeah. So, we have a lot of history with Ocarina of Time, and like I said about a minute ago or so, its reputation has kind of come into question lately over whether or not it's really that great. So, 
one of the big things is whether or not the game is aged particularly well. What do you think? Yes, absolutely. It is a, a great place to start uh, either just on the N64 as a console or in the Zelda series by itself. And uh, because it sets the tone for so many games that come after it, it'd be good to sort of get kind of the like, root of things. Yeah, kind of like start from the back, get to the front, so you can see where everything comes from. Because, uh, I mean, this isn't the best example, but in Skyward Sword you've got the stamina, and then that follows through to Breath of the Wild. I haven't done a study to see like what individual elements carry through to further games, but most of those elements do come from the first 3D Zelda, Ocarina of Time. Yeah, it's true. It pioneered a lot of different Zelda conventions that the later games would refine or sometimes even cut out. Like, there were a lot of block-pushing puzzles in Ocarina of Time. The later 3D games toned it down a bit with those because they learned that that worked better in the 2D games, for example. I was just about to say that. Well, I think that the game aged better than a lot of its contemporaries did. Like Mario 64, some of its flaws are a lot more glaring nowadays. The the banjo games, people are a little more tired of collecting things. Like even Final Fantasy 7, which is generally considered Ocarina's main rival, it has a lot of things about it that really don't hold up, like the translation and some of the glitches and stuff. That game's very interesting to talk about. I'd like to do an episode on that sometime, but... Right now we're going to talk about Ocarina of Time. But my answer, as I said, the game did age better than some of its contemporaries. Overall, I think it aged alright. I think the 3DS version definitely helps and is the definitive version of the game. I don't know. I kind of like the feel of it being on a big screen, just cuddling up like in a blanket on a rainy day defeating Ganondorf, saving Hyrule. And uh, on the 3DS, it just kind of feels much smaller. I mean, looking back, of course, it is a smaller game than we're getting these days, but shoot, for a lot of people, that game is as huge as it's ever going to get. Mm. Well, here's another question in regards to the game's reputation. Do you think it's been surpassed? Oh, yes, absolutely. I like to agree with that. I feel like... Twilight Princess in particular, while it doesn't diversify itself as much as the other 3D Zeldas did, it at least perfected, or refined maybe I should say, a lot of what Ocarina was going for. And I feel like the trade-off works. Twilight Princess is probably in my top three of the series. My favorite in the series though is Majora's Mask, which is often rivaled with Ocarina of Time. Pretty different games, though, so it's not exactly a fair comparison. That's why I feel like Twilight Princess is the one I went to first. Mm-hmm. I get it. Normal Boots was doing that whole debate on uh, which Zelda game is better between Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time, and I really enjoyed seeing them debate over which one is a better Zelda game versus which is a better N64 game. Hmm. Uh, which one do you think might be better between the two? Grand 64 for Zelda. Just, just between Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask in general. Well, golly, I'm going to pick Ocarina of Time every single time. Really? Yeah. Short of the Golden Skull Tulas, I've completed the game 100%. Mm. 
and I never get bored of it. There's always new ways to play it. I want to try the randomizer, but I don't have the setup for it. But otherwise, shoot, that game's fun as fun. All right, like, well, what what games do you think have surpassed Ocarina of Time then? A good portion of games nowadays are better than Ocarina of Time or just well, Zelda games. Well, uh, let, let, let's keep it in the family then. All right, uh, Majora's Mask is on par, but I feel like there's still that little something missing if you haven't already played Ocarina. Twilight Princess, uh, really dark, I liked it, but it felt very limited playing through it. Wind Waker, fantastic, a lot of good memories with it, Endless Adventure. And if we're going forward, uh, I'd rather not mention the next game, and oh. Breath of the Wild is fantastic, I love it. Okay, so uh, Breath of the Wild, Wind Waker, those are kind of the competitors for Ocarina of Time in the series, as far as you're concerned. Mm. I'm afraid that even though these are all fantastic Zelda games, Ocarina of Time got there first, and I know you don't like that argument that something is winning by virtue of it just coming first, but it revolutionized an entire age of video games. I mean, it did, but that's where the age argument comes in over whether or not it holds up as much, and... I mean, the reason I don't like that argument is because you might as well not ever make a second thing, then. We've peaked. We can't go further. Uh, at least until Breath of the Wild, for some people. Well, uh... That, that one is the most commonly thought of as a new start for the series in the same way that Ocarina of Time was. No one said that about any of the other ones. Breath of the Wild? Yeah. I agree. Like, it was... A little bit before Breath of the Wild came out, I started to play the very first Legend of Zelda just to see if I could. Because I call myself this huge Zelda fan, but played the first few, right? And honestly, I found that Breath of the Wild had a lot of similarities with the first one that could arguably make it more Zelda than Ocarina of Time. More classic Zelda, at least. But yeah. I feel like the series evolved over time that... The classic games are kind of the outliers now. And that's sad, because, well, it's gonna happen. Every project grows and changes, and I feel like Breath of the Wild was a nice callback, but a lot of fans are not wanting to them to keep going in that same direction. We're facing a situation where Ocarina of Time and those linear Zeldas could be the outliers. Yeah, it's really uncertain what direction the series will go after this. And I feel like a compromise would probably be their best bet at making everyone happy. You could just choose how you wanted to play the game, and it's like two games in one. Well, I mean, more like a lot of the revolution that Breath of the Wild had, but with maybe a bit more structure and address some of the complaints. Like your no music thing? Yeah, like my no music thing. I was thinking more like the weapon durability, but more oh, music. Yeah. More music wouldn't hurt either. <laughs> so a big part of the Zelda Ocarina of Time experience is the different dungeons. So I kind of wanted to categorize them a bit. We're going to talk about each of the temples and stuff, except the childhood dungeons are all little... They all kind of blend together for me. One big experience broken up into three parts rather than the five different experiences of the adult temples. So I put them together in the same category. I could see that. They don't even have, like, small keys or anything. That gets introduced as an adult. Yeah, because what child... No, Spirit Temple, but... I, well, I, yeah, I get it. 
But, uh, well, there goes that train of thought. So, the childhood dungeons, the the Deku Tree interior, the Dodongo Cavern, and Jabu's Belly. Do you like those dungeons at all? Do you think they're a good way to get into the game? Oh, absolutely. They do a great job of introducing you to the mechanics of the game and uh, teaching you how to use certain tools that you're going to be using throughout the entire game. Granted, you can't use most of your child weapons as an adult, but I feel like it's a good introductory stage. Not necessarily a tutorial, but if they wanted to call it that, I would believe it. Yeah, I can definitely see the Deku Tree being kind of a testing ground for a lot of things. Then the Dodongo Cavern introduces a bit more non-linearity, because you start off in that big room and you have to go into the different branching paths. And then Jabu Jabu's Belly is just the most complex of the first three dungeons by far. It's kind of like an exit exam from childhood. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I'm not particularly fond of any of those dungeons because I just... I remember the adult half of the game, and I wanted to get to that. Oh, everyone wants to get to the adult half. It's everyone's favorite part of the game. Yeah, for good reason. Because you're so much stronger, you don't have to find your sword. You find your sword right away as a child. Oh, yeah, you must just... be thinking of the randomizer again. Shoot, I've just been watching them all day long. So we get to the part of the game where Link becomes an adult, and we have to go to the different temples to save the sages, who are all characters we've met in the past. Some of the characters are kind of pushing it, like Nabooru, they introduce her late just so she can be established. The first one is usually the forest temple. I, I, I keep hearing how you can do these temples out of order. But I think a lot of people just stick with Forest Fire, Water, Shadow, Spirits. And then Big G-Money's Castle. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these temples, they keep you from going in until you get a key item from one of the previous dungeons, if not the one right before it. It's usually just the hookshot, I've noticed. Yes. <laughs> but, like, Water Temple, you can't even get in there without the Iron Boots. Fire Temple, you need your tunic which is part of the story after the Forest Temple. You technically don't need the Fire Tunic to get into the Fire Temple. But don't you need it while you're in there? In some of the rooms, yeah. You, what? Well, yeah, I, I, I don't get it, but some of the rooms are too hot without it, some aren't. Same for the Blue Tunic. You can technically do the Water Temple without it, it's just a little harder. You know, I never took off the red tunic in the fire temple, so shoot, that doesn't surprise me. Well, I mean, I, I, I didn't either, it's just easier to keep it on, and it's stylish, so... But yeah, the shadow temple, you need the hookshot. Uh, spirit yeah. temple, you need the gauntlets, which you well, do get there, but... The second half, I mean, to get to the spirit temple as an adult, you need the hookshot, I think, to get some of the flagpoles in the desert, and maybe the hover boots... It's going to be really hard without the Eye of Truth, though. Yeah, it, it's doable, though. So, the Forest Temple is probably one of the strongest memories I have with the game. Oh, I love the music there. Oh, yeah, it's really creepy. It doesn't really... The whole temple doesn't really strike me as forest. It just strikes me as the weird temple. <laughs> they did try a lot of stuff with that one, and it came off cross as not exactly knowing what it wanted to be. The courtyards are the most forest temple bits to me. 
I'm thinking that might have to do with the fact that it wasn't originally the forest temple, but the wind temple, but even then, there's not a lot of wind going on either. Oh yeah, they had to scrap it. They actually, I think, took the wind elements and put them right there at the end of the Shadow Temple. I want to talk about those temples, but another time, later in the episode. But the Forest Temple, I always liked how it's the first place you go as an adult, and it's just kind of seeing how your old home changed after the seven years, and how this weird, bizarre mansion was just always so close to your home this whole time. Oh, that's one of the best parts. When you're a kid, you can see this building and you have no idea what it is. And it really just gives you this feeling that this temple is ancient. Like, you're going in there to put to rest some old, old evil. And it's just been there your entire life. Yeah. Fire Temple, if I could be honest, is probably my least favorite. Really? Yeah, it's just... It doesn't really strike me in any way. It's just... A temple to go through. I liked saving the individual Gorons, and I always love whenever I get the hammer or the ball and chain or equivalent item, but well, other than that, I mean, the boss fight was cool. There are a couple memorable rooms, like the one with the uncountable uh, invisible firewalls, there's the mini-boss, which is pretty cool, and then there's the big room with a bunch of rocks rolling around. But yeah, there's not a whole lot to remember about the Fire Temple, but I wouldn't say it's... What did you say? I, I just said that it didn't really strike me very much. It was just kind of my least favorite. Right, right. Mm. It, it wasn't my least favorite, but it wasn't my favorite. It's mainly my least favorite by process of elimination. I still like it more than the child dungeons. Mm -hmm. I think my strongest memory of that dungeon was just eating ziti... <laughs> which is a variation of pasta, or watching you play the dungeon. <laughs> over there on my bed, eating my ziti while you were just playing the game. <laughs> ziti and meatballs that were actually cubes. I can't remember if I just shoveled dinner into my mouth, or I was just ignoring it in lieu of the game. I don't know. I, I guess one notable thing about the Fire Temple is the background music, which used to contain chanting from a different religion before Nintendo cut that out in the later installments of the game. Was that Nintendo's choice or the Nation of Islam? I don't quite remember. I think Nintendo decided, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that. That's that's the version of the story I remember reading. A little paraphrased, but... I think our old N64 copy did have the chanting. And honestly, I never noticed it until somebody pointed it out. Well, um, yeah, like, why would you notice it? Because it's, it's just chanting, who knows? Yeah, like, and I'm English, I don't speak those languages. Yeah, you, you were like a, a three-year-old kid some of the time. So. Mm -hmm. The Water Temple, the big one. Never has there been a more smartly designed temple that was all in itself a puzzle. Like, uh, the... Center room was a puzzle in itself, and uh, you just go around trying to find different ways to fit different pieces into this puzzle, and it is just a very smartly designed temple. I hate it. <laughs> now, this might be because I've only played the 3DS version, but I actually found I didn't have as much of a hard time with it. I know what the changes consist of, 
to imagine what the original experience would be like, and I've seen it before, but I actually didn't have too much of a problem with the Water Temple either time. There was only one really... There was only one puzzle that really busted my brain the first time I did it. And, like, I made liberal use of the Furore's Wind to go back to the Hintstone because I'm, I'm a baby. No, it's there for a reason. Yeah. It's not cheating, it's not... Uh, then I went back to the Water Temple, like, was it four or five years later? I played it last year. Just no internet access. I was following our dad to one of his rehearsals, and I was just playing the Water Temple by myself with no access to any walkthrough. And I remembered all of it, basically. There was one thing that I forgot, but then I remembered it and did it. So the Water Temple, yeah, I remember it. it's not that bad for me. My proudest achievement was I was able to go through the entire thing without picking up a walkthrough, without going online, and then I got to a door, and I was missing one key. That's basically where I was, yeah. It's probably either the one that's under the middle tower, or one that's, like, past a rolling rock waterfall. It was, uh, in the middle platform, right after you meet Ruto. Oh. Yeah. Didn't didn't see that. I always pick it up now. <laughs> But yeah, I'll go back and play it every couple of years or so, and I I, like, I I mentally prepare myself for that temple. I like to think that the temple is pretty good about leading you back to the middle room with you having what you need to do the next height of water. And you gotta play the N64 version. It's so much... It's more unforgiving. Less oh. forgiving. Well, it's just that they don't have the markings on the wall and that the boots are a little more inconvenient to mess with. Mm. But the layout is still the same. I, it does have a way to prevent you from backtracking. I'll agree to that. But I've been watching uh, Mark Brown's Game Maker's Toolkit, and he mentions a way where uh, you going down a certain path will lead you right back to where you have to go. So you're like, oh, hey, here's my next objective. Anyway, he was mentioning about how... Uh, you don't always have to backtrack, and that's just good game design. Yeah. I've read about the possibility that the Water Temple was designed on a budget compared to the other ones. I could see that, because Lake Hylia doesn't have a lot of room. Well, I mean more like the simplicity of the dungeon itself. Well, okay, that, that's a bad way of putting it, because it's not a simple dungeon, but... The fact that you're mainly working with one big set piece... And all these little rooms off to the side that are kind of designed almost like the layout was improvised. The fact that a lot of the enemies are very simplistic or recycled from other parts of the game. Not a lot of unique ones. How even the mid-boss is just a copy of you with the same amount of health as you. Even the boss itself, it's just the water. Mm -hmm. And the item you get is just a better version of an item you already have. It's kind of the low-budget temple, but they made it infamous anyway. I feel like because it was so low-budget, they put a lot more thought into how they can fit more into less space, so it's definitely a very much more cerebral dungeon to go through. Yeah, that's the concept of... Well, on TV Tropes, it's called the bottle episode. You have less of a budget, so that kind of forces you to think smarter about what little you do have. They'll have that one episode where everyone stays in the same room for the whole 20-so minutes, but the talking is usually, like, the sharpest writing in the whole show. Like the infamous fly in the lab. 
Oh yeah, from Breaking Bad. I was thinking of a lot of the later... Oh, okay, this isn't... It's not really a comparable show by any means, but a lot of the later episodes of Drake and Josh were like that. Drake and Josh would just be trapped in one room or setting for the whole episode. Like the treehouse? Yeah, the treehouse, their teacher's bathroom, their car by the side of the road. It got a little repetitive, but the banter between them was what carried it. I never noticed those until just now. I noticed it way back then. <laughs> but yeah, it's the bottle episode, and I read an article, I wish I could find it again, but... The Water Temple is kind of suggested to be that for Ocarina of Time. I could see that. And it's, if Jabu Jabu is the exit exam for childhood, uh, this is the mid-exam for adulthood. Though I'd say it's probably the most complex you'll ever get in the game. Well, like, you're taking all the basics you learned as a child, you're taking the pieces of dungeon structure that you learned from the forest and fire temple and puzzle solving and whatnot, and you're just thrown into this teeny little space filled with a bunch of water. You gotta suss it all out. Yeah, but I'm saying that the Shadow and Spirit Temples aren't really more complex than the Water Temple. The Water Temple's kind of the peak in that regard. I think the Shadow and Spirit make up for it with your enemy selection, though. Yeah, the let's move on to the Shadow Temple, actually. That one is different from all the other dungeons in a different way, in that it's mainly just a linear path from start to finish... You're mostly carried by room-to-room -room tasks and the fighting of enemies. Whenever it gets to that big room with the big floating invisible platforms and the guillotines and the bubble and the stuffos, yeah, uh, I feel like always every time I get there that, okay, where do I go now? Okay, I'll try this door, and then just that's the path. Hmm. I, I seem to remember that you're always supposed to go left, then you go right, You'll get a key, and then you can go to one of the other paths on the right. Yeah, but it always takes me a couple seconds to readjust. I'm like, okay, yeah, this one, runs word for it. Mm. Well, I remember there was actually a puzzle. You called me on the phone one time because you didn't know how to solve it. Yeah, that was the room right after the wind temple elements. They hide a key, and they don't do anywhere else in the game. That is kind of a weird thing. For me, that is the worst part of the game. I don't remember how I figured it out. I think I just either I tried everything or I just happened to know. I don't... The Shadow Temple... It's kind of nice to have something a little more straightforward, relatively speaking, after the Water Temple. As a, as a child, you know, I hated that temple because it was, it was spooky. Spooky scary? Yeah. Like... like yeah, you know, everyone has that one Zelda monster that always gave them the creeps as a kid. Mine was the Reededs. Me too. But we would always tell our dad, "Hey, tell us when the Reededs are gone." Oh yeah, and to just insist that he play the song that paralyzes them right away. Play the sun song. I can't take it. Yeah, it, it kind of it kind of changes your life when you realize that the Reededs in the marketplace can't actually do anything to you because the camera trick won't work. <laughs> that was a liberating moment. Yeah, that was like, oh, I, I, can, I can walk on through. No, I killed every one of them. <laughs> they have no power. Well, I mean, Neither do they now. I mean, if you get close enough to them, they'll still jump on you, but they won't freeze you in place. Right, right. I'm not really sure what the point of them there was, but... Hmm? Macabre demonstration of Ganondorf's powers. I guess so. Shadow Temple, 
used to be my least favorite. Now it's probably one of my most favorites. I remember just doing the entire temple one morning before my college classes, just start to finish. I was like, all right, I did all that in the early morning. Just one go. That was fun. As a kid, it was very surprising how much glut and butts there were. Do you want to you want to say that again? No, I'm happy. I think one of the most striking parts of the temple was the ferry to the river Styx. Yeah, that was a good idea. Yeah, it didn't really mean a whole lot. It was just a fancy set piece in the end, but it was really cool. I remember there's actually one part in the temple that I did when I was playing last year, and it was really lame. Is you not? You have to knock that statue over from across the river. Mm-hmm. Well, I shot it, but I was standing in just the perfect spot for it to land on Link. Even then, I could see in the cutscene them clipping Link over the statue, so he was now standing on it as it fell over, but the game still counted it as a defeat, and that was actually a death. Like, that actually killed me enough. Oh my goodness. I had a fairy, at least, but that was just... <laughs> that was just a little humiliating. Aww. That environment, it'll get you. Well, I'll definitely be a little more careful next time I go in there. <laughs> then there's the Spirit Temple, which is kind of going along with your exit exam mentality again. You gotta do more with Young Link, and then back to Adult Link. It's kind of sad. I really feel like they could have done more in the aspect of time travel. But when you go to Zora's River as an adult, even if you don't have bombs, all the boulders are gone. And that just tells you, okay, Young Link blew it up. Cool. I, f- I feel like it could have been cooler if they integrated more stuff like that in the way of time travel rather than just having a little hole that Adult Link can't go through and forcing an extra trip to the Temple of Time. Yeah, I think they probably could have done a little more with the two worlds. And I think the rules of time travel affecting things is a little... uh Whack. Yeah, they're, they're a little inconsistent. I think later games do more to capitalize on that, for sure. One of, the, one of the Oracle games has an entire dungeon. I think it's Jabu Jabu again. No, it's it's the Mermaid Cave, I think. So yeah, Nintendo does know how to do time travel puzzles. Well, it must have just been like limitations of hardware or something. Well, that, that game came after Ocarina of Time. Well, slap my butter and call me a biscuit. Hey, just, you just went over Redneck Falls without a barrel for a second there. What in Uh You give me flashbacks to some of my high school teachers. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting to kind of see how much of it is time travel and how much of it is just gameplay, because now I'm going to go into the randomizer a bit. I saw someone beating the Forest Temple without beating the Deku Tree, and in the scene with the Deku Tree Sprout... The Deku tree itself was still healthy. It wasn't all wilted and brown yet. <laughs> and then there's the idea that if you do the Dodongo Cavern for the first time as an adult, King Dodongo is still there. He's still ready to fight. And it's so much easier. You can just hop over these obstacles that you couldn't even imagine to when you were young. Because yeah. Link's a tall boy. But uh, the Spirit Temple itself, what do we think of it? Great music. Uh... I wish they had introduced the Dark Nuts earlier in the game, but I think they did it right for when they did do it. 
Yeah. And I love the boss. I know a lot of people don't. They think it's too hard. I don't think it's hard. I think it's just a lot of boring waiting. Lots of RNG with the which one she decides to shoot at you and if she gives you six ices but you're still holding on to that one fire. There's next, really. next one's fire. Any day now. Yeah. It was probably one of the dungeons that had the most emphasis on story, I think. Yeah, they did just kind of shoehorn that in there. And like you said earlier, Niburu, we don't know her. This is just a one arc of the story character limited just to there. All the other sages, we've met them earlier in the game. We've had more conversations, more time to get to know them. Niburu, who's that? She's just kind of, oh, by the way, new character, go! But it's Ganondorf's homeland, so they touch upon the witches who raised him. And you'd think that would get a little more emphasis in earlier parts of the game. It doesn't feel as exciting to beat his evil grannies when we only just met them for the first time. Now, if destroying them had a little bit of effect on Ganondorf's power, that could have been cool. You know, you'd think he would also acknowledge it at least once. Mommy! <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I, I know Ganondorf is a big jerk, and I've had it told to me that they kind of raised him to be a jerk, but I think he'd have a little bit of attachment to them when you show up at his castle. It's like, oh, by the way, did you just kill my stepmoms? What's, what's going on with that, Link? Hey, uh, you just caught me. I'm about to leave. Go visit my mom's coom in Kotaki. Uh, hey, how are they, by the way? Unless he was, like, expecting them to die because they were, like, 200 years old. Or one of them was 240 years old? Uh, I can't remember what they... Like, I think that they do mention the that's, specific age. Well, or that's, that I, when, I was quoting their argument, yeah. Well, shoot, yeah. The scene where they bicker about how old which one of them is, even though they're twins. But, uh, yeah, the Spirit Temple. I, I didn't I didn't get to say my thoughts about it, but I, I thought it was kind of neat how they make you go back to being Young Link for a little bit after being so used to being Adult Link, the... Bottom of the well kind of does that, but the Spirit Temple is a little more intense with it. You even fight Astolfos for the first time as a child. Outside of probably Master Quest, that's the only time you fight Astolfos as Young Link. And, of course, the Iron Knuckle. They give you one to fight as Young Link before giving the rest of them to you as Adult Link. I called them Dark Nets, didn't I? You did, but they're, they're kind of the same thing. Same battle tactic. Basically. Did you know that in the N64 game, all of the Iron Knuckles have Nabooru's character model at their core? Yes. Thank you, Boundary Break, for this little fun fact. Oh, Boundary Break. Good show. But I actually found that from just, like, reading around on wikis and stuff, but they took that out of the 3DS versions, but... I kind of liked the lore that maybe the Iron Knuckles were all just Gerudos in armor. No, they're all Niburu. I, I just kind of, like, embellished it that they were different Gerudos, and it was just Niburu for the one, but... No. Uh. They're all Niburu. Oh. There are many Sages of Spirit. Okay. It makes a little less sense, though, that headcanon in the Majora's Mask... The Majora's Mask... Where there are no Gerudos anywhere near the Iron Knuckles. Did they use Nibiru's uh, Iron Knuckle model in that? Well, I mean, they used her in all the Iron Knuckle models in the 64 versions of the games. Neat. Yeah, the Spirit Temple, it's, again, a, a good exit exam, I think, before Ganondorf's Castle. 
Ganondorf's castle is pretty basic, really. It's not really as complex. It's just, hey, you remember this dungeon? They really used it to uh, explore different ideas of what the other temples could have been. Like, they put more wind in the forest section, they've got ice in the water section. Yeah, they're not really that representative of the different dungeons. And they just made stuff up for the light section. I wish we got a real temple of light or something like that. Those just would have been those floating ponds where you talk to all the sages. But I, I have the feeling Ganondorf's castle was designed before a lot of the rest of the game. In general, the final dungeons don't typically have the best designs in the game. They're a lot more simplistic, especially in, like, Wind Waker, where you could tell that the development was getting rushed. I don't know, there's one really tough bad guy in there. In the Wind Waker one? No, in Ganondorf's castle. Uh, what, what's the tough thing in Ganondorf's castle? Ganondorf. I know he's not hard, I'm not saying he's hard. Well, I mean, but, like, he's, like, there's this entire dungeon based around him. Like, there's this uh, puzzle box of the water temple built around this structure of... I'm, I'm just talking about the dungeon itself, not the fight with Ganon. The puzzles are limited, but Ganon's power makes up for it. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Like, it's a really long, challenging fight when you're first going through it, and it kind of makes up for this little sampler platter of all these dungeon bits. You're saying the fight with Ganondorf makes up for the temple leading up to it? Yeah, that was a train wreck of a thought. <laughs> you you almost had something, but then... Threw it all away. Are, are you perhaps confusing it with the Wind Waker version? I don't know, that one seemed a little more cohesive. A little bit, I mean, but Wind Waker's... In hindsight, you can tell that that dungeon was rushed, and I actually find stuff like that fascinating to observe and read about, but that's a subject for a different episode. Ganondorf's Castle, not not the best dungeon in the game, but I kind of like the feeling of, ooh, almost there. Yeah, that music is foreboding as all get out. Yeah, it's like you don't really get to spend a lot of time in there before the end of the game, and you don't really go back there, so it's a place that is never really that familiar with me, so it's always a little bit special to be there. If they remade the game from the ground up with, like, different puzzles, different routes, but, like, the same world, I feel like they could have implemented more into Ganon's castle, like, maybe going downstairs, ooh. <laughs> uh, using the same <laughs> world with different puzzles and stuff, I'm pretty sure that's the master quest. <laughs> that's just a flip oh, of, of, of the same game, and they shovel... A couple things around. Well, they, they, they invent new puzzles and they give you more enemy fights and stuff. Oh boy, so I can wait with my shield up some more. Yeah. So, other favorite moments we might have in the game? Moments that kind of stick out to us? Do you have, maybe? Other than the dungeons? I remember spending hours upon hours trying to catch the Hylian Loach. Oh, the fishing... It's impossible. I've read stories of people doing it, but I it just can't be done. And then there's the running man when you're an adult trying to beat you to the bridge in Kokiri Forest. I got there so quick and just, he was there. I remember going online to forums. I'm like, how can I possibly beat this guy? And like, first response, oh, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Good week spent. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Oh, that was, that, was, that, was, that was in the before times. 
Neo Seeker for all your video game cheat needs. I think that they just added that in because just as like kind of a time trial and they couldn't think of anything else to give you because honestly, what could they give you at that point in the game? It's a troll! Oh, I beat you by one second. Sure, guy. Mm. Is it because I sold you that bunny hood when I was seven? You made me look like a jerk. <laughs> no one told me I looked ridiculous. He uh, was really just running away from the... <laughs> from the bullies. Mm. The, the skeletons would pop up from the ground. I was like, look at him. He got feminine hips. No, I don't. Just running as fast as he can. Uh, well, my most memorable moment is probably the entire sequence at the Gerudo Fortress. And that music that everyone likes. I like it too, I just don't think about it all the time. It was arguably one of the best pieces of music to come out of that game. Probably. I'm not... I wouldn't be surprised if they made Gerudo Valley a stage in Smash Brothers just for the music. And I guess the Lost Forest in general, the Lost Woods, and the meadow maze that comes right after it, those always stuck out to me too. I, I told you the story about me climbing the ladder at kindergarten. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a lot of strong moments that stick out. I think most people will zero in on the Gerudo Valley, though. I think definitely my least favorite dungeon area would have to be the bottom of the well. Yeah, that place is just kind of annoying. I can never remember how to get through it. I'm always missing a couple keys. I always have to look up the guide, and I just feel like a bad fan every time I try to f do it and fail. It comes right after the water temple, too. Right after the water temple. Right when I'm feeling proud, like, oh, I can do anything. Nope, sure can't. <laughs> I don't remember having too much trouble with it, but it was kind of annoying. And... Also, another part of the game I hated as a five-year-old. What a joke location for the hover boots, though. Side thought. Actually, the, that was in the Shadow Temple. The well is where you I, get I the know. lens of truth. I know. Side thought. Oh. Joke. That's so... It's it's right there. Like, oh, where's the dungeon item? Right here. Right here at the start of the dungeon? Yep. It's kind of a... It's kind of an interesting change of pace, though. Mm-hmm. So, there were a lot of things that changed in development, Ocarina of Time's development isn't one of the most storied in the industry, but there's some things that I've read about, like how you used to only have Adult Link, and they wouldn't really give that to you until Twilight Princess. Mm -hmm. I think the game was supposed to originally kind of take place mostly in Ganon's castle, which kind of explains how the final version of the castle keeps some of those elements with the temple's Sample platter, as you put it. <laughs> I think there were some dating sim elements in place to be put in. I Okay, that just reminds me of one time when I was playing through it and you were watching and we just... Link is instantly attracted to every woman he meets. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, Malin, who's that? Saria, who's that? Who's Zelda? Yeah. It's all about Noburu, Impa, etc. Yeah, they just, like, the... Like, short-term memory loss for the different women of Hyrule. Yeah, we, we, we had some kind of, like, running joke dialogue to go along with all that. I don't remember any of it, but I remember that it happens. <laughs> but, yeah, there's gonna be some kind of relation value system with the different females of Hyrule, but then most of them disappeared with the plot, 
that they just kind of scrapped that idea. I don't know if that's actually a thing that they were going to do or if that's just internet hearsay. It kind of reminds me of Final Fantasy VII a bit, where you can have different affection points for the different party members before going on a date at the Gold Saucer. Never really played that game, but I don't. so I don't know how much you know about it other than Cloud's there. Not a thing. Well, that'd be kind of an interest to explain then. Oh, boy. That also explains why there are a lot of female characters to the side, more so than the male characters. You'll notice of all the sages who aren't Raru, Darunia is the only male. I think that's Nintendo getting in on the ground floor of female empowerment. There you go. I mean, Just nip that in the bud. Just, just look at Hyrule Warriors. Look at all the women fighting in that game. Good for you, Nintendo. Staying ahead of the curve. Giant Ganon. Oh, yeah. I, sometimes I look at a bullet point for these episodes, and I forgot what Giant Ganon was supposed to be, but I remember for the final boss fight, they originally wanted some kind of Shadow of the Colossus situation where you're just crawling all over Ganon's giant body. That'd have been cool. Yeah, but they wanted you to be able to see Ganon, except in the final game, you can't really see him very well either. I like how... Uh... Even when the lightning flashes, he's still, like, mostly black, so you can't really see anything. Like, it kind of gives him this dark, foreboding aura. Oh, yeah, they really nailed the atmosphere in the final battle with him. Except in the 3DS version, they made his tail even brighter. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And Navi's like, I don't know what his weakness is! And I'm like, hmm... Thinking face. Do you have eyes, Navi? You can identify every monster and every person in Hyrule, but not Ganon's weak point. It might be the big glowing appendage. No, no way. It's gotta be his left pinky. The giant Ganon idea. Well, I think they eventually got around to that with some of the Breath of the Wild mid-bosses. Oh, like the Hinox and the Talus? Yeah, but... The example I read about even before them was the Mega Leg in Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah, everyone's heard about that one. Uh, he's, he was going to be part of Zelda, but then they just retooled it for Galaxy. Yeah, the idea was that that would be basically how the fight with Ganon would go. Which sucks, because Mega Leg is a very underwhelming boss. Yeah, it's just more of a gimmick than anything else. Well, that's what Nintendo does. They introduce an idea, then they expound upon it, and then there's a kind of a quote-unquote test. I mean, it's Mega Leg's the boss of the first big world of Galaxy, so I can kind of forgive it for being simple. Yeah, like, they probably had to scale back some of their ideas, because if you're making a final boss, you're gonna pour more resources into that rather than just making a little boss like Mega Leg, or wherever he was in the game. Yeah, I like when the final boss is done in standard gameplay and follows the rules of the game up to this point. I don't like when the final boss is just, like, done in a side mode or something. Like, Banjo-Tooie, I, I didn't like that the Hag-1 was done in the Kazooie gun mode. That was just kind of, uh, to me. On your side, though, uh, that is regarded as one of the hardest bosses on the N64. <laughs> and I, I didn't like fighting the Hag one either because I, I mean, first of all, the difficulty made me annoyed, and second of all, I just didn't like that I wasn't standard gameplay. I was in gun mode the whole time. Never I, a fan of the FPSs. No, but it's like this isn't the final test of Banjo and Kazooie. This is the final test of gun mode. The 
the Briegel Blaster, but uh, that's what I thought. But I was thinking Briegel Basher, but that's the other one. But yeah, that's why I didn't I didn't care for that fight, and that's why I'm glad that they didn't go with something gimmicky for the Ganon fight. Even though I, I I probably would have liked it because back then I wasn't really discerning enough. <laughs> Wind and the Ice Temples, we kept referencing those earlier. Those are two of the temples that got cut out. The Ice Temple, I think most people agree that it got downsized into the Ice Cavern. Uh-huh. The Wind Temple, well, they eventually used that in Wind Waker. They really liked their idea for the Ice Temple in Link to the Past, so I'm guessing that they wanted to keep that going forward, but found that in 3D, without that top-down view of all the block puzzles, it probably wouldn't have worked as well. Maybe. It could have also just been a budget thing, because you remember the Water Temple. Udet Temple. Uh, I mean, how the Water Temple was low budget. Right, right. So put more cerebral puzzles Ice Temple, like, even by child dungeon standards, it's pretty short when you get down to it. Definitely, but it serves its purpose. Yeah. Hey, get some get some iron boots, learn the serenade of water. That's it. Maybe get a heart beast, but that's nowhere near required. Cavern is when they first introduce the silver rupee puzzles, and from that point on, the water temple is the only dungeon that doesn't make use of them. And you'll notice they don't bring that back in any of the future games. Well, it's the first 3D Zelda. They're trying ideas out. Gotta cut them a little slack here and there. Yeah. Like, there were a lot of things that clearly didn't work out as much. And I think the Silver Rupees was kind of them running out of ideas. I feel like maybe the blood splattered all over the scythes in the Shadow Temple. That probably wasn't a, the best idea. Well, this is more aesthetic than anything else. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and again, Ganon's castle kind of reinforces the idea that the Forest Temple and the Water Temple were changed late in development or added later in development. Mm -hmm. We talked about the fishing minigame. I think we said all that we care to say about it, because I never really bothered with it. Just about. You know the story of how it was added in the game, right? No. One of the developers just kind of worked on that in their spare time. All their co-workers saw him doing it, and they're like, you should put that in the game. <laughs> so they put that somewhere disconnected from everywhere else, off in Lake Hylia. I mean, hey, it, it fits. It, it's good for world building. Yeah. And you get the gold scale out of it. And introduced fishing that would come back in, actually, just Twilight Princess, but then the Majora's Mask remake. And... Breath of the Wild's fishing is as gorilla as it gets. Just toss a bomb in the water. They'll come to the surface. I'd like the bombs in that game. Oh, so fun. So, uh, Master Quest. I didn't play it, did you? Yeah, both versions. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, hot take, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my biggest exposure with Master Quest is... And this is in sessions, mind you. I didn't do it all at once because I'm not a crazy person. I watched the channel versus Hacking Toucans and Josh Jepsen. They did a 24-hour stream of racing through Master Quest. Oh, golly. Yeah, it was for charity, and they uploaded a 21-hour YouTube, 22-hour YouTube video of their race. Oh, dang. Yeah, like I said, I watched it in sessions, usually while I was working on something. <laughs> and I looked up every so often... 
and it wasn't really a well-designed mode, and they were complaining about it the whole time. I, I'm going to attribute part of that to exhaustion from the stream, but they really made some questionable design choices in that, and they kind of assumed that more fighting equals harder puzzles and dungeon. It really doesn't, and if you think that that is, then you need to go back to video game design class. Yeah, I'm wondering what, what they were doing with Master Quest in that regard, then. Their best. Give them a break. <laughs> I thought you said they had to go back to class. <laughs> this was in the GameCube times, <laughs> when it was first brought out. Uh, that being said, though, the 3DS Master Quest is definitely much better. Really? Like, like they change a whole lot more. Not a whole lot. Just want to backpedal that real quick. <laughs> uh... But it does make for a more enjoyable Master Quest than the GameCube version. Really, they the the dumb puzzle design is kind of addressed? I mean, it's just flipped. Oh. Much like the Twilight Princess GameCube Wii thing. Okay, and the, the double damage from Hero Mode and Skyward Sword. Yes. It makes it harder. I don't know if that makes it better. I mean, it's you... It's a no... There's no extra win, no extra loss. Like, when you went, beat Luigi's Mansion and you go to New Game Plus, you get more suction, but the enemies pull harder. So, like, there's no real difference. Yeah, at least not unless you're playing the PAL version of the game. Now that I think of it, I wonder if the 3DS remake is going to address that. But that's a... You know, I should do a Luigi's Mansion episode. That'll, that'll, that'll happen another time, though. Well, you know, Halloween is coming. Can't wait. Favorite holiday. Yeah. But... Anyway, we're, we're kind of getting off subject. Master Quest doesn't really look that great. Might be worth doing at least once, maybe. Finish it! That, that's, a, that's a reference to a YouTuber, isn't it? Yes, it sure is. Okay. I, don't, I, I can't see them all. I'm only one man. Oh, I... here's a hot tip. If you want to beat Dark Link super easy, don't target him. Just swing. He, he won't freeze you. I also heard that he has... And I mentioned this earlier, he has the same amount of health as you. I don't know if it's your max health at the time, or if it's whatever you have going into the fight. Oh no, it's full 20 hearts. I expect you to have every heart. Well, that, Even the ones you don't have yet. That, that, that's a little weird, considering you, you can't have every heart by that point. He's a ghost of the future. Oh, okay. I do know that they change his name if you change Link's name, because I played as Lank... Hold up, just a second. If we look at the timeline, what I just said is right. Oh, no. <laughs> Lank? Yeah, so he was Dark Lank when, <laughs> when Navi told me all about him. I think I did a Lonk with a zero. Mm. I like to just name him one letter off Link every time. <laughs> I think my favorite was Lint. I really like how the game Grumps named their Links. There's Lofus, there's Spoont, there's Spoomples. Spiarmph. I, I, I gotta be honest, I'm not a big fan of their naming convention. Different strokes. You know, if, if we want to go to timeline stuff real fast... Oh. They said that if Ganon kills Link, that eventually leads to Link to the Past. What if he just got a game over then, and then the game just turned into Link to the Past? I'm waiting for someone to build all that together, and it's gonna be big. It's gonna be crazy. Imagine that file size. Like, okay, if you die playing Ocarina of Time, then you're going to start playing this game. <laughs> Don't die once if you want to do that. Oh, man. 
So the last subject of today is today's favorite songs, you know, standard. What are what are some of your favorite songs that Koji Kondo has provided for us? Oh, The Dark World is iconic. I'm at not great enough time. Ah, uh, dang. Okay, uh, I really like the Spirit Temple. There's the Song of Storms. There's... A lot of classics. Castle Courtyard. Yeah. Do -do. Oh, yeah, that... It's one of the most classic video game soundtracks nowadays, is the Ocarina of Time one. We used to listen to it to go to sleep, when we were like, really teeny little chitlins. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was actually like an orchestral like, cover for a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, I bought the 88-track uh, official soundtrack. Of like all the actual songs? I didn't know you had that. On eBay, yeah. Oh, I'm, I might need to borrow that sometime, but let's see, my favorite song, it's, it's obviously, it's got to be the, the Lost Woods, the Saria song. Mm -hmm. Mentioned the Forest Maze, of course. That, oh, no, that, that's my favorite Mario RPG song, but the Forest Temple, talked about that, that's a favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, i got to give props to the, the various Ganondorf Final Battle themes. Mm-hmm. The Ganondorf one is like really heroic and climactic, while the Ganon one is more awe-inspiring. I gotta say, the one song from this game that I most often find myself whistling would be the store theme. Oh, yeah, the store theme. I really like what they do with it in Majora's Mask, where it sounds like it's coming through on a radio. Mm -hmm. I like how it just kind of becomes Beatles theme. Yeah, yeah, Beatle kind of has a... A different spin on that theme, but it's usually plays whenever he appears, except for Breath of the Wild. Right. I mean, that game did a whole lot different with music. Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of good Ocarina of Time songs. And uh, with that, I think that's almost everything I really have to say about that game. I like how every time you come on to the show, I just get a random idea for a future episode while I'm talking. <laughs> So, any last thoughts on Ocarina of Time that you want to share? Well, a lot of times I see these videos pop up on YouTube. Three facts you don't know about Major or Ocarina of Time. And I'm like, try me. Yeah, a lot of times I'm like, oh really, you know what I know. Or what I don't know either, huh? And every so often I'll be like, okay, yeah, why not? Just to see how they tell it. And of course, it's 16 facts I already knew, so... <laughs> Get on my level. You know, sometimes Dad shares stuff like that with me on Facebook. He's like, hey, this guy's talking about, like, a lot of Mario stuff. And he's like, I cracked my knuckles. Okay, what do I already know? What do you got? Pat ourselves on the back for being obsessed with this game any longer. <laughs> yeah, that's about it, though. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to this episode and for being there or not being there. I, I don't really know. You know, you have your own lives, but 50 episodes of this, that's... Kind of a big deal, I think. Congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, you know, if you'll want to stick around for 51 and 52 and all the ones that come after that, you know, you can subscribe on the Podcast One website or the mobile app or find the episodes on iTunes. I've been the Axeman, Alex. And I'm his brother, Anthony. All right. And I'll see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.